This morning, Matt McClure is going to share his, his heart with us. More importantly, he's going to share the Word of God with us. I'm so grateful for Matt and, and his willingness, along with his family, to transplant here to Woodway, Texas. I'm absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit was orchestrating everything that had to happen to bring them here. And I think his ministry is already touching the lives of so many. I know you all love Matt. And we all do. Matt, would you come on up? Um, how are you? It's good to see you again. Again, my name is Matt, and thank you, Paul, for that. And um, so with some people, uh, this really was month, finished three months of being uh, here at First Woodway. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for loving all my family and my kids. And we have an amazing youth ministry. Am I right? Okay. I promise you, it's amazing. Um, but it is, it's, uh, we're so, so grateful. And, um, so some people have called and said, oh, you're the new Bob. And, uh, I said, yes, that's the old Bob. I'm the new Bob. And, um, but I, I got to spend a couple of weeks with Bob here and just, you know, learn so many things about the youth ministry and, and we love the community moving from a, a larger, um, uh, city in Tulsa to here, uh, just so many people that you see. And, and Bob gave me some pointers. He said, now, when you go to H-E-B. And as soon as we moved here, people were like, do y'all have H-E-B? Do y'all have H-E-B in Tulsa? No, we don't have H-E-B. No, oh, you're going to love H-E-B. You know what I think of H-E-B? It's like the death star of grocery stores. It's like, you show, it's like everything can happen there. And, and I'm, if you go on Sunday afternoon, you may not leave, okay? You just get run over by people shopping. So I went to H-E-B. And, and so Bob said, when you go to H-E-B, you know, you're going to see people from the ministry, from the church. You just take your grocery cart and you just keep moving. You just keep walking the entire time. So Melissa had me go to the grocery store. I'm walking in and sure enough, a church member caught me talking to me and I just started going slowly. And I said, thank you, Bob. It's good to see you. Have a great day. It was actually Bob Johns caught me at the grocery store. <laughs> was talking to me, but uh, love Bob and uh, so blessed to be following him uh, here at First Woodway. Will you take your Bibles open up to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 today. And we're just going to be going through seven verses in Luke 15. One thing about me that I want to let you know is I lose things easily. I don't know if it's because I'm kind of absent-minded at times or I'm thinking about other things, but I lose things. Prior to us coming down here for kind of a view of a call weekend, I actually lost my wallet. Uh, I had gone to um, Walmart and somehow my wallet had fell out of my pocket. And when I got home, I could not find it anywhere. I had to go, you know, new driver's license, debit card, the whole thing, you know, and then Two months later, um, right before we were to move down here, I got a call that Walmart found my wallet. I had kicked it under some like stand by accident, found my wallet. Well, in the process of moving, I lost my wallet again, had to get another debit card. I always often lose my keys. It's just, you know, um, I don't know if you're like that, but in losing things. One time I lost my car. I went to the grocery, uh, man, I went to uh, the um, uh, hospital to visit a church member that was in the hospital, it was in Tulsa, and it had one of those like parking garages, and I parked my car, went in to make the visit, came back out, went to the same spot, car's not there. In fact, it's a completely different car. And I was like, all right, where is my car? So I walk up one level, I walk down level, I'm convinced my car has been stolen. So I called the education minister at our church, said, you're going to have to come get me, you don't believe this, but my, somebody stole my car in the, in the hospital parking lot. So he came and got me. He's like, let's just drive around one more time. And we made one loop around the parking garage, and there was my car. I was like, never mind. Thanks so much. 
Um, we were at Walt Disney World uh, about a year ago, and my one job was to help make sure my son Maven stayed with our group. We had like a party at 10, and so a lot of people there, and we'd stop from time to time. My one job is to make sure that he was next to our group because he was short enough that he got far enough away you couldn't see him. And, um, and so sure enough, one day we're in Epcot, we, we stopped, and we're like, hey, yeah, yeah, Maven, Maven, I'm like, Maven. And then the, the kind of panic sets in, like he wasn't just not around our group. He wasn't in our group at all. And our group had stopped and he had just kept on walking far enough that I could not see him. So I get Melissa and she's like, your one job is to make sure Maven stays in our group. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know where he's at. Um, he's not here. So I went right, she went left. I mean, I walked like a hundred yards to try to go find him nowhere. I'm walking back thinking, if he's not there, I'm finding Mickey and I'm going to you know, hold him hostage until we find my son in this park. And as soon as I got back, there was Maven sitting next to Melissa. And I was in trouble because my job was to make sure he didn't get lost. You know, there's a passage in scripture in Luke 15 that talks about three different things that get lost. And I want us to look at that today as Jesus kind of talks about this idea of something that is lost that is found. So will you look at, with me at Luke chapter 15? I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we just pray, Lord, will you make your word real to us? God, will we understand what you're trying to teach us? Help us to understand, Lord, what it means to go after that lost, that one, Lord, that you are searching for, Lord, who needs to call you by name. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, um, you know, just like I would go to great lengths to find my son, um, Jesus here is pointing out the great lengths this shepherd is going to go to, to find his one sheep, to bring him back. And so really, when you leave today, I want to leave you with really a main idea that, that for you to be able to go home and remember. And it is this, it is that God will go to extraordinary lengths to rescue the lost. God's going to go to extraordinary lengths to rescue the lost, you know, the background of this passage is that um, Jesus is teaching and he's followed by these huge crowds of people. And in those crowds, we see in verse 1 and 2 that he is uh, surrounded with, the Bible says, sinners. He's surrounded with tax collectors. And also, there are the religious people who are there also. So there's this huge crowd of people. And Jesus is particularly interested in one part of this crowd that's there. And as we go through this passage, I want to point out four things that I want you to take away today. And the first one is this. It is that Jesus is what makes the church attractive to the lost. 
I mean, take note of the fact that when Jesus is teaching, it's not the, the people who love you know, the Bible and the scripture and the, the deep truths that he's teaching, which he taught all those things. It would be amazing to sit at the feet of Jesus and just to listen to him discuss scripture and help explain it and make it known to you. But the people who were drawn to him even more were the outcasts and the sinners, the lowest of society. And they are attracted to Jesus. And so I think, I don't want to jump over this point before we talk about the lost sheep to make it known that the attraction was Jesus himself. That as a church, as we reach the lost in our community, as we go after people who desperately need Jesus in their life, it is not, you know, the facility. It's not the amazing programming. It's not, um, you know, anything that we can offer other than Jesus himself. All those are avenues to present Jesus, but those are all empty and hollow without the saving message of Jesus himself. He is what is attractive to the lost. He is what lost people are so um, desperate to know is, is there someone who loves me and forgives me and is there for me? And the answer for the church is yes, Jesus is there for you. So it's no surprise when Jesus starts off this story, he's surrounded with these sinners and these tax collectors and people who are just soaking up every word that he's saying. And yet the religious, pious leaders are in the back kind of snarling about how can Jesus be doing this? So this leads Jesus to jump into this uh, parable of the lost sheep, which leads me to my second thing. And that is this, that we are the lost sheep that Jesus is looking for. We are the lost sheep that Jesus is looking for. You know, at one time, you didn't know who Jesus was. Someone shared Christ with you. You come, came to faith in Christ, and you, you asked Jesus to be a part of your life. And maybe there's been a time since then that you've walked away from your faith, that you said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life on my own. You know, Jesus is, wants a relationship with you, wants you to be a part of the church, wants you to be involved. And so Jesus is making it clear that we are the sheep and the spiritually lost are the sheep that need to be involved. You know, I was, um, in preparing for this, found an article about uh, a farmer in Turkey who had 1,600 sheep. And of that 1,600 sheep, um, they fell off the edge of a cliff. And of the 1,600, 1,100 of them lived because the 400 that fell down first created such a cushy bottom to the cavern that the others just bounced off of them. I think it's interesting why Jesus relates us to sheep. And there's a couple of reasons. And number one is sheep are dumb. Can I say that? They really are. They're not very smart. And, um, and sheep will just follow the one in front of you. It's just like when your parents told you, well, if your friend jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? And you'd be like, no. Sheep would be like, yeah, I'd do that. I'd totally jump off a bridge. <laughs> sheep are not very smart. And so, you know, um, Jesus knows, you know, apart from him, it is impossible for us to make great, uh, good choices. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse six. He says, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned to everyone his own way. You know, I'm not saying that we're dumb. 
But apart from Jesus, we're capable of really foolish decisions. Not only are sheep not very smart, but the second thing is that they're defenseless. Now, I grew up on a farm. We actually had sheep uh, growing up. I had a herd of sheep. And from time to time, we would get dogs that would get into our sheep pens and kill just a huge group of our, our sheep. And um, so I remember being, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, I was showing sheep at the time, and we had dogs get in, and I was showing a sheep that literally had one ear because a dog, had, and I, I, you know, I would try to turn him away from the judges so you don't see his one good ear, right? So we solved that problem. We bought a great Pyrenees dog. We put it in the pen with the, with the sheep. It's a big white sheep dog, and it keeps, keeps um, predators out, run the other dogs off, and they would try to get in. You know, uh, we like sheep are very defenseless. Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, I don't know how you feel today, but there's been many times I have felt harassed and helpless. And maybe you've been in that place too. When you've just desired, Lord, come right now and I just need your, your peace on my life. I need your protection on my family. Father, I need you to guide me right now. And he compares us to the sheep that need a shepherd in their life and we are no different than that ourselves. The third thing is this. Jesus desires to rescue the lost, and we should too. Jesus desires to rescue the lost, and we should too. Look at what verse 4 says in 15. He says this. He says, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You know, 100 sheep to the listeners of this, um, that would have been huge. That's a huge uh, herd of sheep for a person to have. And so it wouldn't be a ginormous deal for one sheep to get lost. It really isn't hard for a sheep to get separated from the, from the herd. They kind of get their heads down and they eat some grass and they go over here and eat some more grass. Oh, and I see some more grass. I mean, I told you they're not smart, right? And they just kind of keep going. They just kind of keep going until the sheep looks up and he's completely separated from the rest of the group, alone and vulnerable. And so the owner sees that the sheep is gone. This would not be a, just a small owner to have 100 sheep at that time. This would be a wealthy, important man. And yet he leaves the other 99 and personally goes and looks for this lost sheep. Now, there's one important thing here I want to point out in this passage. That he says he goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. And if, you're a, if you mark in your Bible, just underline that word, until he finds it. I mean, have you ever lost something? Like what I, I mean, lose stuff all the time? Like I'm not giving up until I find it. I don't know if you have one of those like Amazon um, sticks on your TV. You got a little Amazon like uh, remote. Those, like those, your couch just eats those things. Like we had one and it just like just disappeared. Um, you know, and, and so I remember just tearing our house apart. I could never find it. But this owner, he goes after the sheep and he looks until he finds it. And I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me about this is the effort that the owner puts in until he finds his lost sheep. Jesus cares about the lost. 
and the effort he put in to rescue the lost, the effort he put in to go to the cross, to die for the forgiveness of the world, the sins of the world through him. It also relates to us and the effort we put in to rescue the lost, to look for them, to, to share the message of hope with them. Jesus says, not but just a few chapters later, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Because Jesus desired it, we should desire it too. Because Jesus put effort into this task of seeing the world saved, we should put effort also in seeing our neighbors know who Jesus is that the students at our school know who Jesus is, that the people you work from a cubicle across the hallway, that they know who Jesus is. And it's not just the job of someone with the gift of evangelism or a paid staff member. It is all of our jobs to seek and to save the lost and to put effort forth sharing Christ with those around us. My last point I want to tell you is this. Point number four is we should celebrate when people come to faith in Christ. We should celebrate. Look at what Jesus says here in verse seven. He says, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. You know, um, because the lost have such value and there is rejoicing just to see one person come to faith in Christ, to see them to know who Jesus is and the rejoicing that goes with that. So when Melissa and I were married for just a year, we went on a, um, a little vacation. Uh, we went to a lake house and to celebrate our one-year anniversary, we're so excited. Um, we happened to be living in Texas at the time and we went to a lake in, um, in South Texas. And so we were there and went back to our our. Um, Lodge we're staying in after being at the lake all day. And I look down and my wedding ring is gone. I've been married a year and I've officially destroyed my marriage. My wedding band is gone. And I'm like, I'm not going to believe this, but my, my wedding band, is, I don't know where it's at. Oh, so we, we, we look all over this lodge, all over the place. We look and look and look, you know, um, can't find it anywhere. It's now the most exciting to the most depressing one-year anniversary trip ever. So we're like, well, you know, we'll just figure something else out. I don't know. So we get up the next day, we go back down to the same uh, lake area we're in, and I have an inner tube. We're going to get out on the water, and something catches my eye in the sand. And I look down, I can just see the little glitter of something, and I reach down to move the sand, and it was my wedding band. And I picked it up, I'm like, Melissa, look, 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 it's my wedding band. And then people saw us, like, there's other people out there, and we're, like, dancing and jumping, and we were so excited because, I mean, I found my wedding band. Our marriage was saved. (laughs) You know, when we see people come to know Christ, and the same should happen with us, just the sheer joy and the excitement of knowing this person has come to faith in Christ. This is so exciting. This is so amazing. And the angels in heaven rejoice. We rejoice also. And Jesus is making this idea known that when the lost are saved, we rejoice. There's this tension in the story that 
can't go without being spoken about, that there's the 99 here and there's the one. And the tension is, what's more important? And Jesus is not saying that one person is elevated over the 99 who are following Jesus, who love Jesus. But what he is saying is, is don't be inwardly looking at yourself all the time. We are not a holy huddle. We are not a Christian club. We are a saving place for people who do not know who Christ is. And our effort collective as the 99 is to be looking for the lost who is out there. Our celebration doesn't come from, you know, what the 99 can do together. Should never be more than the celebration of seeing the lost who come in, who come to know Christ. I was a youth pastor years ago at a church and we had two students who came, gave their hearts to Jesus, but they came from this very goth uh, group. They wore dark clothes all the time and dark coats and dark hair. And, and, but they started coming to our ministry and they went back and they invited more of their friends who were the same to come until we had a, a, just a really large group of students every Wednesday night from this particular kind of group of students from the high school that were there every week. And I remember I had a mom come and pull me aside and said, I got a complaint to make. Um, there's these students coming to our ministry and they're giving us a bad name. I was like, what, what do you mean? Well, I just don't know if I want my teenager hanging around these goth kids that are coming. Well, here's what I told that mom. I was like, every Wednesday night, those students are hearing the message of Jesus every Wednesday. And that is way more important than keeping this group separate from those students. And that's what the church is about, about sharing that message with people who desperately need to know who Jesus is. So I want to end with this point. It's this. God will go to extraordinary lengths to rescue the lost, and we should too. Will you stand with me and pray with me? Father, we love you. And God, we pray, Lord, as we think about this thought about how, Lord, you want to go to such great links to rescue the lost. Lord, may we be able to have our eye on those who we live close to, work close to, Lord, we're related to that need to know you. God, may we be, um, Lord, have a desire as you do to see them to know you. Father, may you give us the words to say when the conversation turns to our faith. And Father, how we know you. God, will you just be able to, God, help us see that you love them, and the God you desire to forgive them of their sins. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as we leave this place today, God, will you give us the courage to be the light in a very dark world? In your name we pray. Amen.